Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has been dealing with... um, his disciples and this crowd that had gathered around on the mountainside he's been teaching his disciples you know yes the crowd heard what he was saying so he was basically talking to both but he was talking specifically to his disciples about how to live a righteous life that their right living that their right doings would exceed that of the pharisees because he says if you don't you don't enter into the kingdom of heaven so it was important that their that their righteousness would mirror his righteousness because they're going to be taking over uh, the kingdom in just a few years and and so as I said a while ago a, a crowd had gathered on the mountainside and Jesus has been teaching his disciples he's finished teaching and as he, he finishes up teaching they they start down the mountain and the crowd follows Jesus and as he comes down the mountain, he encounters a leper at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8 who, who wants to be healed. And, and Jesus touches this leper in front of everybody. That is something you, you specifically did not do. You did not touch a leper because you would be pronounced unclean and you would have to go before a priest until you were pronounced clean again. I, th- I believe it's at least for seven days to see if you were uh, clean again. But Jesus reaches out and touches this leper, and he does more than touch him. I believe he laid his hand on this leper and had a little conversation with him. So his hand might have stayed on this leper for a few minutes, or at least a few uh, for several seconds. But Jesus touches this leper in front of his disciples, in front of his crowd, and it would have been mind-blowing for them because this is something that, that they don't see, and maybe perhaps and have never seen. And as Jesus then uh, gets done healing the leper, he goes to Capernaum and he's met by a Roman soldier who has this servant that is paralyzed and, and is at the point of death. And so this Roman soldier pleads to Jesus to heal his servant. In other words, he intercedes on behalf of this servant and and asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus does, but he, he Jesus was gonna go to his house but the, the, the Roman uh, centurion, this Roman soldier, said, you know, I'm a man of authority like you. Uh, I, so basically what he's doing is humbling himself. And he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house, Jesus. If you could just say the words, my servant would be healed. And Jesus told his disciples and the crowd that was following him, he says, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And this guy is a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. And he has more faith than all the people in Israel. The Jews who were supposed to be expecting me, who should be excited about me being here. The Messiah, the one that was prophesied about. Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. The one that the prophets told about and and warned about. I'm here. And this Roman soldier, soldier this gentile has more faith than anybody in all of israel it's amazing and so he he uh, goes on to stay at peter's house and uh, uh, and his disciples are with him and as he gets to peter's house he has to work yet another miracle because peter's 
mother-in-law is sick in the bed with a fever. Jesus touches her hand. She's healed, and she goes and cooks them a meal. And so people around the area find out that, that Jesus is staying there at Peter's house. And so they bring all these people who are sick, who need a healing, and all these people who are demon-possessed, and they want Jesus to heal them or cast out uh, the demons. And so uh, as you can see, uh, this is a chapter about healings, and then after uh, after these healings of, of Jesus meeting these people's needs, he tells his disciples to get in a boat, and, and they're going to row to the other side uh, of the lake, or the, the Sea of Galilee, and um, uh, they're going to go to a village of, uh, in, in the Gadarenes, and there they are uh, confronted um, with uh, uh, two people who are demon possessed, so it, it it's it's more of the same thing uh, in in at the end of chapter eight. But as they are rowing across this lake or the Sea of Galilee, a fierce storm comes up out of nowhere. The, the, it is so bad the disciples are scared for their life. I mean, they're literally, literally full of fear, afraid they're going to die. Jesus is asleep on the boat, and they go wake him up and say, "Hey, man, do something about this." And so Jesus speaks to the wind, and all of a sudden, this fear storm just comes instantly to a calm, and the wind, the winds calm down, and the waves calm down as well, and it just blows the minds of the disciples. They, they're like, "Who?" Is this man that even nature obeys him? And so, it, it, at the end of chapter eight, something else is going to happen. That it's, it, it's literally it has to be mind blowing for these guys. But it, it but it opens their eyes to something they have never heard before. And I'll point that out as we get to it. But in Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty-eight through thirty-four, it says, "When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes." Two men were possessed by demons. They met him, and they came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. And they began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and turned into bacon. No. And the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in water. And the herdsmen fled to a nearby town, telling everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. Now, I, I'm convinced that Jesus knew what was awaiting him when he had told his disciples, hey, get in the boat, we're going to row to the other side of the lake. I'm convinced that he knew that this, these two men were at, these, uh, it, were at this graveyard, living in this graveyard. Just like in John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, he must needs go through Samaria. That's the King James Version which simply says, Jesus says, I, I've got to go through Samaria. And as a Jew, you didn't go through Samaria. You went around Samaria. You didn't want to step on Samaritan soil because the Jews thought that if you stepped on Samaritan soil, you were unclean, much like the leper. And and so they did everything they could to avoid some Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. But Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria. Why? Because he knew that that woman was going to be at that well to draw out water in the heat of the day. She didn't come out there when all the other women came to draw water. 
She was an outcast of her society. She was embarrassed by the way she has lived. And, and, and so she came out in the heat of the day and Jesus knew she was going to be there and he was going to change her life. And he did. And she went back into the village and told everybody, hey, the Messiah is here. And they all came out to see Jesus. And because Jesus went through Samaria and took time to spend with this woman at the well, the whole village came out and got to meet Jesus. And they, they said, we, don't, we no longer believe because of your story. We have seen him with our eyes. We've had a conversation with him. And now we believe that he is the Messiah. So since Jesus went through Samaria, it, it, it changed the whole village. It changed a multitude of lives. And here is another opportunity for the same thing. Jesus, I'm, I'm just convinced that he knew that these two men who were demon-possessed were there. And he, he had a reason for going into gathering and, and casting these demons out of these men. Because he was bringing the gospel, or not the gospel, but he was bringing the message of the kingdom to the gatherings. He was bringing a, a message of hope and peace and, and, and life changed. He was there. He, he could have healed the sick. He could have uh, cast out demons. He, he could have changed a whole village. But unlike the woman at the well and the Samaritans, something happens that just, it just blows my mind at the end because they're going to, they see these men who they, they, they could not do nothing with. They would get, if they even come around in the vicinity of these men, they would be chased back to their homes or wherever these men would come at them and run them off beating them up or whatever and now they see these two men whose lives have been changed drastically changed they would have to see the pigs floating in the water and amazingly they don't invite jesus into the town what happens is they tell him to get out of here dude we don't want no part of you and that that's just amazing uh, to me, but let, let's break let's break this down. Um, Jesus is with his disciples, right? They they've been rowing in the boat. They they've come through that storm. Jesus has calmed it down. Uh, and if if you remember, we're early in Matthew, kind of early in Matthew. Jesus has handpicked these guys. He's gonna uh, instill his teaching into them, which he did on the Sermon on the Mount, and and they're gonna be taking over. The kingdom. In about three years, Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to be put in a tomb. He's going to be resurrected. And then 40 days from that, he's going to send back to heaven and sit by the Father's right hand. And 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on the apostles. They're going to be filled with the Spirit. And, and we're still reading uh, the message that they left behind and the hope uh, today. Um, but these guys never really understood who Jesus was. And matter of fact, they didn't get it fully until Acts chapter 2 because in Acts chapter 1, they're still asking Jesus, hey, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel back into power? Are, are, are we going to get to kick these Romans' butts and, and are, are we going to get to rule and reign on the earth? Like, Because, you know, we were powerful back in the day, but we, you know, we've been under this Roman oppression for so long and been oppressed by so many people over the years. We, we're ready to be number one again. Are you going to restore the kingdom? Uh, uh, back to power and Jesus says you don't know what you're talking about guys just wait for the promise of my father and then when you get when you receive the promise of my father you'll you'll know what to do because he's going to tell you what to do and that's when the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2 and the rest is history but these guys these the disciples and the religious people this is why the religious leaders had such a problem with Jesus because they had the wrong concept about the Messiah 
they're looking for an earthly kingdom to rule, a God that's going to rule and reign uh, with, with uh, uh, power and authority on the earth, and that Jerusalem is going to be the focal point of power. And, but that's not what they get. Um, and, and so they have this misconception of who the Messiah is. They've heard the teachings of Jesus. They understand that he is the Messiah. And they're seeing all these miracles done. They're seeing the demons being cast out, but they, they just don't get it. They don't understand. And now they're going to see these two men that are possessed with demons. As they come up to the shore, these two men, as they always do, they run out. They, these are strangers. These, they've never seen these men in this boat before. And they got to run them out of town like, they, or like they've run everybody else that's come out into their area. Um, and so... They come running up to the boat, Jesus and the, and the disciples are getting out of the boat. And these two men, they're living among the dead. They're living in the graveyard. They're living amongst tombs. And nobody dared to go near these men because, like I said, they'd be beaten up and they'd be chased out if they, if they come anywhere near these, these men. These two men, were to, to that village and that surrounding area that knew these two men, they were freaks of nature. And the other people in the villages would be scared to death of these people because they could not do nothing or anything with them. And so as Jesus and his disciples, they arrive on the boat and these two freakazoids come running out and they're yelling at Jesus. You know, they're, they're, they're used to chasing people away and they're yelling at Jesus. They instantly, I mean, instantly recognize Jesus and they say, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? And, and, and what people want to do is, is they want to focus on what these, uh, they want to discuss what did these demons mean when, when they said, are you here to torture us before God's appointed time? But that's not where the focus should be. The, the, the demons do have appointed time. They, they're, 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 they'll, they'll get their day. Uh, it's coming soon. But the focus, and you can study that on your own. I'm not going to get into it on, on this podcast because it, it doesn't matter. It's not the focal point. The focus needs to be on what these these guys, these demons were screaming when the dis, and, and this, the, when they first come up on the boat and the disciples are hearing for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first time that they hear that Jesus is the Son of of God. Now think about that for a second. These demons are screaming at the top of their lungs that Jesus is the Son of God. And the disciples are hearing this. And this is something that Mary and Joseph, if you go back to the birth of Jesus, they 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 already knew this. Mary and Joseph already knew and Joseph may be dead at this time. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say what happened with Joseph and when he died. But Jesus is over 30 years old. He started his ministry and he's out on his own now, right? But but uh, Mary and Joseph were told by angels that Jesus is going to be, the, they're going to have a baby, she's a virgin, and he was going to be Emmanuel, God with us. He was going to be God's son. And the Bible says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. So that's one witness, right? Keep that in mind. Um, and so uh, an, another one, was when another witness, if you will, is, uh, and, I, and I'll explain this in just a minute, but is John the Baptist when, or ba John the Baptizer, he's out there 
baptizing people and here comes Jesus to be baptized by John. John saying, hey, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me because we're going to fulfill our righteousness by doing so. And basically it kicked off his ministry. And so John baptizes Jesus. They come up out of the water. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, lands on Jesus' shoulder, signaling to John that, hey, this is the one. This is the one that the prophets talked about. This is the the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the anointed one that people have been looking for for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, the heavens open and a voice comes down from heaven and says, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And so you got Mary and Joseph. And you have John the baptizer. That's two witnesses that have heard and know that Jesus is the Son of God. And now um, we, we have these demons and the disciples are there with Jesus. And these demons, these two men, they come running up who are full of demons. And they're screaming, what are you going to do with the Son of God? Have you come to harass us in our, before God's appointed time? I'm going to share some verses about having witnesses um, and, and, and how important it is. I mean, if you go to a court, if you're being sued or you're suing somebody, if something's happened to you or whatever, and you have to go before a judge in, in, in the court of law, there's at least two things you need. Really three. You need an alibi, first of all, if you've done something wrong. But the the two main things that you need are evidence and witnesses. And the more evidence and the more witnesses you have, the stronger your case will be. And and here are, I'm, I'm giving you three witnesses. You have Mary and Joseph, you have John the baptizer, and you have demons that are claiming that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, some verses... Um, to share with you about how you, you need at least two to three witnesses to establish something. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. So if, if, if I see you do something wrong and, and I'm the only witness to it, I'm not going to have a very strong case, but if I have two or three witnesses that saw you do that, uh, you know, take that thing or whatever you did wrong, then I've got a very strong case. And God says, because this is God's law, that you have to have the evidence of two or three witnesses for a matter to be confirmed. 2 Corinthians 13.1, Paul says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. First Timothy chapter five, verse 19, Paul says to Timothy, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. So there's three verses right there given in the word of God that, that, that we have to have, if we want to um, have a strong case against somebody, um, then we have to have at least two witnesses and three would be even better. Um, and so I have shared with you that you have Mary and Joseph, 
who knew that Jesus was the Son of God. They were his parents, or at least Mary was his parent. Joseph would be his earthly parent who raised Jesus, who had the, the, the confirmation from the angel that this baby that is inside his soon-to-be wife's belly is the Son of God, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And then we have John the baptizer baptizing Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. A voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. So we have John the baptizer as a witness. And now we have demons. And in fact, every time, that, if I'm not mistaken, every time that Jesus confronted a demon with his disciples around, they were always screaming that he is the Son of God of God. Um, and so to me, this is just a, a confirmation to his disciples. And it's very important. And, and it's fascinating uh, that, you know, these guys, they see all this stuff going on. Maybe they knew the law, but they, a little bit about the law, but they did not really fully recognize who Jesus was. They didn't really understand the Messiah. Uh, but these but these angels did. These demons did and, and how would these demons know that Jesus is the Son of God? How would these demons just automatically, the first thing out of their mouth is is uh, kind of like not really a worship but a respect or a reverence for Jesus and His deity, that He is God, that He is the Son of God. Um, and, and it goes back to the, this misconception, this misconception that the, uh, the disciples had about the Messiah. They thought they were, he was going to be an earthly king, that he was going to rule and reign on the earth, and they were going to be delivered from the Romans. And their, uh, Jesus, this Messiah, was going to reestablish their authority there in Jerusalem, and they're going to rule and reign with with the Messiah. Man, and they're they're just they're they're uh, they're all excited about it, but. But Jesus, he, he, he had a different idea about the kingdom. He said, my kingdom, he told Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, then my disciples would come and fight for me. But my, descent, my, my kingdom is, is in another place. And, and so um, if you think about um, the angels and the demons, and, and, uh, and this is a fascinating study if you want to get into it more deep, uh, more deeper, you by all means, please do because I mean that's you studying the Bible, which is a good thing. Uh, but I just want to touch on just a couple of things real quick before ending this this podcast. Um, and I, I just want to share what you know a little bit about demons and how would they know that Jesus is the Son of God? And it's because they were around; they were actually in heaven before all this was taking place. Um, and, and and like I said, this is a very deep study. I'm just going to cover it here in just a few minutes. So uh, feel free to, to Google stuff and read about stuff and, and just be careful what you Google and be careful what you read um, because there's some weird ideas out there. Just be sure you it lines up with the Word of God. But uh, um, the, the angels and the demons, they have always known Jesus for eternity. Um, Psalm 148, 1 through 5. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. That's what demons are. They are angels. They were cast out of heaven. 
because of their rebellion. I'll get to that in just a minute. But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, the, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Now listen to verse 5. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for He issued His command, and they came into being. And if you go on and finish reading Psalm 148, he mentions more uh, things that were created. And he's telling the creation to give praise to the Lord. And, and so this whole Psalm 148 is a list of things that are created by God and how they are to give praise to the Lord. And angels are mentioned in this passage. So angels were created beings by God. And we know from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, that when God created everything, Jesus was right there with him. For Paul says that Christ is the invisible image, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made the things we cannot see, or he made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, through Jesus, and for him, or for Jesus. So what we have to remember is that Satan who was an angel, along with other angels or demons, were once in heaven with God before being cast out. And there's two passages that talk about this. Uh, this it's Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19, and another passage in Isaiah, and I'll, I'll read that to you. Ezekiel 28, 12, 19 says, Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. And you see this when you read the, the, the story of, of the garden of Adam and Eve and the, and the, and the serpent. Uh, your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your uh, love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries and your many sins and your uh, dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who are watching. All who knew you were appalled at your fate, and you have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. 
Then Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15 says, O how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Now, to just as a quick, easy explanation, uh, I, I pulled something from gotquestions.org, and, uh, and here's what it says. Two, the two scripture passages that describe Satan before he fell are Ezekiel 28, 12-19, and Isaiah 14, 12-15. Satan was the anointed cherub, Ezekiel 28, 14. He was adorned with every precious jewel imaginable, Ezekiel 28.13. He was the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, Ezekiel 28.12b. Likely, he was the highest of all angels. He was persuasive enough to convince one-third of the angels to join him in his rebellion. That's Revelation 12.4. Even after his fall from heaven, not even Michael the archangel dared to stand up to him without the Lord's help, Jude 9. Satan fell because of pride. He did not like being second best. He wanted to be God. When he says in Isaiah 14, 13, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. That's where the angels, the demons, if you will, came from. They were angels. They were created by God himself. Satan was an angel. He was created by God and he, he was adorned with all this beauty and he let it get to his head. Pride got to him and evil got uh, evil entered in and he was cast out of heaven and he takes a third of the angels with him. They, they rebelled against God as well. And, and, and basically they're down here on the earth wreaking havoc in people's lives. And you can see this in Job when Satan goes before God and, and has a conversation with God and bargers with God and, 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 and is able to go after Job and Job never uh, denies God. Uh, but, and then we come into the, uh, the New Testament and we see how demons are possessing people and, and Jesus is exposing these demons and he's casting out these demons. But for the first time, the disciples, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first time that the disciples are hearing that Jesus is the Son of God. And it wouldn't be the last because, like I said earlier, when Jesus confronted these demons when they were around his, when he was around his disciples, they would just yell out about him being the Son of of God. And and this is interesting because Jesus as far as I can remember, he never used the phrase I am the son of God. Now, in John chapter 5, he he talks about being the son and he talks about God being the father, but he does not use the phrase I'm I'm the son of God. In fact, he would use most of the time, if not all the time, I am the son of of man which shows that his humanity that jesus was a hundred percent god but yet he was also a hundred percent man he 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 got hungry he got thirsty uh, he had feelings he had emotions he cried he when when he was pierced in the side by the the roman soldier's sword John says, John, I believe it's John 19, 33, out came forth blood and water, showing that he was absolutely human. He, he 
He gave up his power and his authority. He gave up perfection in, in, in heaven and he put on flesh and he lived as an ordinary dude. And, and, and nothing ever stood out about Jesus. He was just like any other man. He dressed like any other man. And this would literally trouble the disciples. It would trouble the Jewish people. It would, it would trouble the religious leaders. It blowed their minds because they had a preconceived idea of who the Messiah was going to be. And in their mind, Jesus did not fit the bill. They known him. They knew him as a, 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 a dude that was born to a carpenter who had a child out of wedlock, and his mom was pregnant before they were ever even married legally. And it just blew their minds. They couldn't get past that. And so here are the disciples. That they're they're witnessing the greatest show on earth. The greatest show in history. They're getting to walk around with Jesus. They're seeing him cast out demons. They're seeing him heal people, but they don't get it. They just simply do not get it. Not until the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. And so let's end up uh, with this. The demons and Jesus, they have a conversation right there in front of the disciples. They know they're in trouble. Jesus is going to cast them out, and, 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 and so he's going to free these two men uh, from the demons. And this bondage they've been held in for so long. And the, the demons suggested Jesus, hey, just cast us out into that herd of pigs over there. And so Jesus says, go, and they possess the pigs. The whole herd runs down the hillside, jumps into the lake, and, and drowns, which this was someone's livelihood. This was someone's money. It, it, their currency, if you will. Um, the shepherds who are, were over the herd of these pigs, they just see what took place and they go running into the nearest village to tell everybody what they had just seen and what they had just witnessed and what just happened. And, 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 and so if you take just a few minutes to think about this, it, it, it's mind-blowing because they go into a town who knew these two men well. They, we don't know how long these men have been demon-possessed, but everybody in this village knew to, to stay away from those men because you would get run out of Dodge if, if you went anywhere around them. You would get beat, beat up because they were super strong because of the demons. Even though there's no food in a graveyard and there's nothing to drink in a graveyard, these men had extreme amount of strength. Um, and then out of nowhere, some strangers show up in a boat and when the men approach the strangers, as they always do, because they're going to run them out of Dodge, just like they have done to everybody else, that's not what happens. This boat pulls up full of strangers. The strangers get out of the boat. Here comes the two demon-possessed men who are going to run these men you know, back across the sea where they belong. Uh, and, but it doesn't happen that way. Instead, the, the, the two men bow before this stranger, and the strangers have a conversation with them. And the next thing you know the two men are standing upright and they're having they're acting normal and and you're witnessing all your herd of pigs go running down a hillside and jumping in a lake and drowning these shepherds who were wanting to see a show that they have seen many times before they saw something completely different 
They don't see the men getting in the boat and, and rowing as fast as they can for their lives out of fear. They see the two men bowing before this stranger, and then they see their pigs run off and drowned. And Matthew writes this, The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And then the entire town, everybody that lived in this town, they come out to meet Jesus. Not out of excitement. They wanted to see if it was true what these men were saying. Now get this, but they begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. It's the right opposite effect that happened to the woman at the well in, Matthew, in John chapter 4 when she goes back to the village to tell people about Jesus and they come out to meet Jesus they tell the woman, we no longer believe because your story. Now we believe because we've seen for our eyes and we have met him for ourselves and we believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the one. And it literally changed the whole village. These people had the same opportunity and Jesus knew that. That's why he told his disciples to get in the boat, we're going to the other side of the lake. He knew, in my opinion, that these two men, demon-possessed, were there and he was going to free these men from that bondage. And when he did that, the, the herdsmen go into town just like the woman at the well went into the town and they're preaching about Jesus. Come and see what this man has done. These two men who were demon-possessed and running everybody out of Dodge, they, they're, they're free. They're acting normal. And I've lost all my pigs. They're, they're, they're down in the river. They are down in the lake and they've drowned. And so the people, the whole entire town come out to see this. They see the two men standing there acting normal, having a conversation with Jesus and the disciples, excited about what has happened in their lives. They see out in the lake all these bodies of these pigs that are floating because they, they have gone out there and drowned themselves. And they see the, the, the story that these, these shepherds have told are true, but instead of inviting Jesus to come into their town and their village and, 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 and talk about all these great things, they say, dude, we, we don't have anything to do with you. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go back to wherever you came from. We don't want any part of that. And it, it's so easy to look at these people and say, why would they do that? How could they be that way? This is Jesus. This is the miracle worker. And they have an opportunity for their lives to be changed and they've rejected Jesus. But before we run them in the ground, think about it. We do the same exact thing today. People hear about Jesus. They, Jesus is preached all over the place in churches, outside of churches, street preachers, at store. I've seen all kinds of street preachers at some of my stores that I service. You know, you've got podcasts, you've got social media, you got YouTube, you got internet, you got all these ways that people hear about Jesus and all these great things that Jesus has done and how he's died on a cross to save them, that he loves them, that he loves you that he died for you, that he shed his blood for you, for everybody. And yet, people reject that message of love. They reject everything that Jesus did. And they say, hey, it's a great story. I see what has happened here, but I don't want any part of it. Dude, Get go on back to wherever you came from. And it's sad. 
Don't miss this opportunity to meet Jesus. Don't miss this opportunity to know Jesus. Please don't miss this opportunity to share Jesus. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.